0: Time is money. In this case, the ticking of the metronome illustrates just how much money we're talking about when it comes to the super wealthy. Every second, every tick indicates that Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has earned $104. Microsoft founder Bill Gates backs $127 and with every tick of the metronome, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos grows richer by $2,500 and Elon Musk a staggering $4,432. At least that was the situation three years ago when the magazine Don't Die Wandering published an article breaking down the earnings of the super wealthy to a per-second basis. But it probably hasn't decreased since then. So it's about time to hit the brakes. That's what Ars Electronica believes. It's high time we started viewing the digital world as a tool for equal rights and social justice. A new form of networking that enriches not only big corporations, but strengthens each and every individual. A concept or rather a thought experiment that will make its appearance as digital socialism at the festival.
1: Meaning. We contribute, whether we know it or not, or whether we are aware or not, to the technological systems. And that means that we need to think about a redistribution.
2: The question is not to doubt that new opportunities will come. The question is who will have access to these opportunities.
0: And that's something where as electronic can highlight, of course, what role artists have in that play, but also how we can open up that discussion. And that's where we're diving into, in today's episode. Real talk about the economy, the tech trade, the big bucks behind AI, and who's cashing in. My name is Sarah Krecia, and over the past weeks and months, I've been speaking with artists, researchers, and of course, the creative people at Ars Electronica, to learn more about the theme of this year's festival, Who Owns the Truth? Who Owns the Truth? The UR1 Festival podcast for Ars Electronica. Episode 5 Truth in Business Attire. At the end of June, billionaire Elon Musk, the one who owns Twitter, challenged billionaire Mark Zuckerberg, the one who owns Facebook, to a duel. Then the mother of Elon Musk said that's a bad idea and cancelled the whole thing. And shortly thereafter, Musk also grumbled on Twitter because he had been blocked by Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. You know, just a normal day, super rich among themselves. But don't let it distract you. Because these entertaining back and forth on social media and in public, that's what we're supposed to see. That's the entertainment interlude. But if you dig a little deeper you'll find big techs really putting the gloves on. Like, for example, Google went and lodged an antitrust complaint against Microsoft with the FTC. Google there accuses Microsoft of abusing its near-monopoly in office applications to tie customers to its Asia cloud services. One layer further down, there it's about us. Me, you, everybody. It's about how we should be spectating some super rich boxing match in the metaverse and not paying too much attention to the european commission's draft of the european media freedom act that was also published in june and alongside some nice words like how press freedom is an important asset to democracies it also states that it's quite acceptable to slip spyware onto journalists if someone decides it's in the public interest or the Irish Data Protection Commission, they also made a small amendment back then in June. Namely, that it can be a criminal act to report on proceedings, for instance, if a tech company has violated the General Data Protection Regulation. And that we only know because Max Schramms from Neub spotted it. He
2: was also at Ars Electronica in 2012 and
0: 2019, bringing a really important perspective about society to the art scene, Fritz Stocker, who is the festival's artistic director.
2: But
0: before we get to this year's festival, I'm going to put on my acoustic diving suit once more and snorkel down even further all the way down, to the cradle of the marvel of our time, artificial intelligence.
3: I'm Antonio Casilli and I'm a sociology professor at the Institut Polytechnique de Paris.
0: Antonio Casilli is a sociologist and for many big tech companies he's essentially a persona non grata. As his field research takes him to where AI originates. And Big Tech really would prefer if we didn't look that way. The myth
3: of artificial intelligence being uh, automatic, but the actual myth, in my opinion, that this intelligence is artificial meaning that there is only a technical aspect to it there is a human aspect to it there's a lot of human labor that goes into that technology which is presented as a labor saving technology let me give you some examples we've been interviewing people that were performing very mundane tasks like for instance they were receiving pictures of salads and they had to you know differentiate the tomato from the feta cheese Right. This was to train an AI that provided nutritional advice. But we also interviewed people who were really deeply concerned about the use of the data that they were producing. For instance, we interviewed a few persons who said, yeah, we were training this strange video games once was in France. Uh, We were supposed to with our character in the video game to go closer to characters that seemed French. And move away from characters who seem of a foreign origin. What were they doing? Were they training some racist video game? You know, the game engine of that video game. Or on the contrary, they were participating, I don't know, in some academic or corporate experiment on racist attitudes and bigot attitudes. The problem is, we do not know.
0: The story that struck me the most was the time when he had been to Madagascar in a cyber cafe where people were training image recognition AI, but not the one that then will be able to tell you if it's a muffin or a chihuahua, but the ones that are used in health service and diagnosis.
3: Like the AI that is able to recognize cancer or very, you know, critical applications. And people that were not oncologists, they were not doctors, and they were not data scientists at all. They were just provided with some, couple of instructions, you know, um, indications of what to do if you see, I don't know, uh, an x-ray image of a lung and there's a, a spot, you put that this spot could be cancer and then we will deal with it later.
0: So the people behind it are not experts, but people who have somehow to keep themselves afloat. And they earn less than poorly.
3: In the best case scenarios, we have met people who have like more stable jobs that could work for a month or two. And they would be paid in places like Madagascar 90 euros, 100 euros per month.
0: That's the other economic truth. The one that doesn't get as much spotlight as a boxing match between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. The truth that AI isn't some self-driving train, but there is human labor behind it. And as you all might have guessed, these people aren't employed at Google or Microsoft, Twitter or Amazon. They work at a supplier of the supplier of the supplier of the supplier and so on. But eventually, all their work ends up at Big Tech.
3: You will never catch them red-handed doing this, because there is a long chain, which is a supply chain, this long, long chain of subcontracting is also a chain of deniability. They deny and they can deny, because after all, if you think, what are these people to these big corporations? They are not employed in many, many cases. And that's another important uh, factor. They are platform based, meaning that they are required recruited online. They are not employed. They are only users of a service, of a platform. And this platform is something that anybody could access. I could go now on, I don't know, a platform called Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is owned by Amazon, or another one which is owned by Microsoft called UHRS, and sign up and become a worker and work for who knows what.
0: And that's where we look back to As Electronica and their purposefully provocative theme of Digital Socialism, which will be a focus at the festival in September. Because behind all technological developments are people who in one way or the other train these systems, be it as click workers or because cookies and trackers are tailing their digital path on their website or because one writes something on social media and that then teaches an artificial intelligence to speak, so to speak. At the end of the line, there's always humans training the systems. And with the whole digital socialism idea, Gevrit Stocker, the artistic director of Ars Electronica aims to rethink ways of societal participation.
2: In particular now with the dawn of this next super money-making machine, artificial intelligence. We need to go further. We need to start what I've proposed now with some provocation, of course, as the digital socialism and this might sound to many people like you know a kind of ideological left wing socialism uh, manifesto or something like that. I think we have to see this very relaxed, this old style ideologies anyway, won't lead very far in in, in the coming decades. So we need to rethink this. It's not establishing the old idea of socialism in the digital realm, but establishing an idea of what socialism in terms of social justice, in terms of possibility to participate and benefit for everybody. How can this be implemented?
1: What would it actually mean?
0: There, I also asked the festival director, Crystal Bauer, how this will translate into the festival.
1: We specifically, of course, selected projects that discussed this on various angles. How can become Facebook a common good, for example? And what kind of lawsuits does it need? in order to get there. So quite provocative but also doable examples um, that also have been already partly implemented. On the other side, we will also look at this question of ownership not only in terms of the data that we humans generate, but of course data that we are a part of coming, for example, from the satellites above us that help us to understand the situation we are in. And that means that also in the conferences and not only exhibition, we will focus on the one side who owns nature, so what is the truth behind the ownership of nature, and then on the next day we will focus also really on the end of the truth somehow, because the truth is not a concept anymore that will help us. To understand the life we live or the society we are part of, we need to find new ways of dealing with all this information that suddenly can be generated this easily. The power of
2: AI systems is based on knowledge of thousands of years of humanity. And if the raw material for these new profits comes from everybody, then at least a decent share of the profits should also be distributed to everybody.
0: the many data that are needed to keep the AI machinery running have of course also interested me in the context of the search for truth. And that's what the next episode is about.